you're listening to the Time and Talks podcast. I'm your host, Dejal V. Patel, and this is the place where we have refreshingly real talks about the biggest problems moms face in motherhood and life and the spiritual solutions to solve them. If you're ready to reset your mindset with some major truth bombs, well then, let's dive in. Satnam, beautiful souls. Welcome back to another episode. This is episode 91, which is the second episode in the continuation of the Burnout podcast series. So if you haven't listened to episode 90, which was the first one in the series, please definitely do so. I'm really trying my very best to keep these episodes between 25 to 35 minutes. I was so close last time. It was 38 minutes, but you know what? I think it counts because that includes the intro and the outro, and I actually wanted to lay the foundation. So I think it counts. I stated the zone. And the reason is because this is really jam-packed with information. I don't want to overload you because it's going to take some time to process some of this information and integrate it. And I think these are going to be some of the podcasts that you're going to come back and listen to. It's not just a one and done thing. So I wanted to be very mindful of your time. All right, so let's do a very quick recap of what episode 90 or the burnout cycle was really all about. First, we talked about what burnout is. You know, burnout has become this buzzword, and I wanted to give us clarity and exactly what burnout is so we're not falsely using it. And so generally speaking, mom burnout is when we have way too much on our plate and not enough soul rejuvenating and energy revitalizing self-care within our day. So it's very important to know what true burnout and what common everyday stressors is. And this episode is really going to be focused on completing the stress cycle. So life is full of stress and normally we can handle it even if it's hard. But burnout is the repeated stress for a chronically long period of time and it just feels like it's too much to handle. We don't feel like we have adequate tools or energy and basically our frustration tolerance dips. We have a depletion of mood and energy and vitality and in a sustained period of burnout, we could even experience depression. So this is something very serious. You know, we shouldn't just be saying, oh, I'm burned out, I'm burned out anytime things feel a little overwhelming, I walked you through the stages of burnout. So you very well may be in the cycle of entering into burnout zone, going in the direction and the path of burnout. However, you're not there yet. And so becoming very aware of where you're on in the cycle is going to be crucial for you to know how to help yourself and how to build your energy so you don't get into that very depleted state. So we talked about how to recognize where you're at and you should have a very clear understanding at this point based off of listening to that where you're at currently. It's constantly ever evolving because stressors are constantly coming into our life and based on where we're at energetically, it's going to impact us differently. But I walked you through if you're in burnout mode or very, very close to burnout mode, uh, what to do to alleviate that stress of being in that state and how to get yourself out of it. We talked about five ways to alleviate burnout. And one of the things I want to say is that if you notice that you are in a negative mental and health and energetic space, it's very, very important for you to talk to a professional to help you with your mental health and your physical health needs. So if you're feeling depressed, whether you're in the postpartum phase or not, if you're feeling physical manifestations of the stress, we need you to talk to someone that's a professional that can help you. And if you're confused of where to go and what to do, 
reach out to me. I will work with you to find the right resource and expert for you. But if you're on the the edge of, oh, is therapy right for me? Is it not right for me? I talked to a South Asian therapist in episode 61, and she talks about breaking the stigma of therapy. It is something that is life-changing. You know, we don't really have an outlet to share our deepest emotions sometimes with the people who are even closest to us, or we don't even know how to express ourselves. So it's really important to talk to a professional and I've used therapy. I use therapy. It's been life-changing. I've learned so much and I've healed so much on my own, but also with therapy. So I really want to put that out there. Bullock from The Chutney Life curated a list of therapists based on your state. So I will put that in the show notes too, if you're looking for someone in your particular state. So when we talked about the five steps for burnout, the first step was remembering your worth. And the reason for this is because anytime we're finding ourselves repeatedly in the burnout cycle at some phase, it's because we're pushing ourselves beyond a standard that's unsustainable and it's deeply rooted to some lack of self-worth, some area where we've defined our worth to be related to something that happens externally, what we do, our role, how what we produce, how productive we are, how perfect we are. And it's variable for all of us, but that is the common ground that there is some area of self-worth that we need to work on. And so it's a spiritual practice is really all about developing our self-worth and our self-love and that relationship to our higher self. And the next episode, I'm going to be talking about, you know, mastering your daily selfies. That's what I like to call it. But it's like building that connection with self-worth, self-love, self-confidence, real self-care. That's the foundation of the spiritual practice, but why we're really here and what our soul really needs. Then we talked about recognizing your battery level because it's so crucial whether you're in burnout phase or you're in the cycle at some place to intuitively ask yourself every single day when you wake up between transitions from you know your day to when you get your kids, what is your battery level? And just ask yourself intuitively and from a zero to 100, kind of like a cell phone battery, just check in, like, are you at 100%? That's like when you're vibrant, alive, everything's flowing versus like a 50% where you're kind of on the struggle bus. So you're having a little trouble focusing. Um, if something doesn't go the way that you want it to, you can feel like a dip in energy really quickly. Um, you know, you need to know what your energy capacity is so that you're very honest about what you can prioritize, how many tasks you can do, how much energy you have, how much frustration tolerance you have, uh, and really be honest then of what kind of activities that you want to do. Are they energy building and rejuvenating or are they energy depleting? So taking an inventory of that. We talked about some energy replenishing uh, ideas. So replenishing your joy cup. This is about doing things for joy and no purpose and not for productive purposes. Uh, that's going to really boost your energy. We also talked about rejuvenating self-care, right? We know mindful movement, mindful breathing, meditation will all recharge your energy. But if you're severely depleted, you need quality rest, right? We need to prioritize naps. We need to decrease screen time. We need to decrease our socializing with alcohol and watching too much TV. So we have to be very mindful of building in that energy boosting uh, practices into our life when we're completely depleted. So we need to recharge our battery per se. And so in this episode, 
we're going to talk about when you're in some phase of the burnout cycle, but you're not in burnout per se, but you're noticing like maybe you're in multitasking mode, or maybe you're in that moody gremlin and constantly melting down mode. Maybe you're noticing that you're just uh, constantly rushing from thing to thing. You know, the, there's different phases on the path. Maybe it's the mom guilt. You're feeling low about yourself. Now we're going to focus on how to complete our stress cycle because stress is what is triggering us to go from, you know, being a balanced state to the burnout state. So scientifically, chronic stress is what's to blame, what's getting us into a depleted burnout state. So recently I read this book called Burnout, Completing the Stress Cycle, and I learned this fascinating new idea that I want to share with you today. And I just want to leave off that if you're really looking for practices to infuse breath work and meditation and spiritual development, that's the focus of my one-on-one coaching where we go deeper. So feel free to email me at thejal at thejalvpatel.com to learn more about coaching and really go a step further of not only absorbing this information, but integrating it into your life. All right, so let's dive into this idea of completing the stress cycle because this is going to help us prevent going into burnout mode. We can be able to learn how to manage our energy and filter out our stress just in the normal day-to-day life that we have so that it's not building up. First, we have to know the difference between what a stressor and what stress is. This is essentially how the external and the internal world collide, meet, and communicate, right? So let's define this for a second. So stressors are things in our external world that activates a stress response in our inner world because it's a signal that things are not safe, right? So our body sees it as a threat and physiologically and automatically it responds from a highly alert, vigilant state, okay? So things outside of us are the stressors. So our child's meltdown or traffic or the rude email from your boss or all the outside stressors, right? Nothing you can control. But those things, when we perceive them, create stress in our body. So what is stress? Is friction within our system. It's a neurological and physiological shift that happens in our body when we are faced with a threat and it's basically sending out signals, you are not safe. So we feel it in our body, we we see it, we absorb it, and our mind then gets triggered to activate our brainstem, which is our primitive mind, which I know you've heard of, the fight, flight, and freeze. So that's what's get activated. And of course, there's a series of hormones. If you're the science buff, you're probably aware of all the series of hormones, what happens to your body when you're in that heightened state. Your eyes become hypervigilant and focused. And essentially, when you're in your lower brain, it cuts off all connection to your higher brain. Now, why is that important? Well, your higher brain is responsible of coming up with creative solutions and problem solving and impulse control and emotional regulation, and empathy. So if you are in a heightened state about something else, it's going to be literally impossible for you when your child has a meltdown, for example, later on in the day, to be empathetic, to be able to hold space and pause and thoughtfully respond. This is very important, right? So when I talk about knowing what your battery level is, it's recognizing when you're getting into a lower percentage, like a red brain state, you are now in your lower brain state. The higher you are, the higher battery, the higher brain state is accessible. So you'll be able to come up with creative solutions. You'll be able to be more patient. You'll be able to just 
tap into your feelings reserve and feel for someone, right? And not just be hyper-focused on survival and fighting or feeling nervous or numbing or shutting down, right? Our responses that we feel like guilty about, but it's actually physiology, right? It's not in our control. So that should take some pressure away from you. I know it's hard when it's directed towards our kids because we feel so guilty, but really it's not in our control. So when you're in that hyper-focus alert, vigilant here and now, focusing on the short term and not thinking about long-term solutions, you have no access, like I said, to your higher level of thinking or your prefrontal cortex. The only goal is to release the pressure out. And so you can do that by snapping and shouting where things get uh, a little chaotic within us. Like we might have enough wherewithal to be like, I'm not going to spew it out, but then we repress it. And then it creates pressure within us, right? So either we spew it out to release the tension or we absorb the tension in our body and kind of bottle it in. I like to use that soda bottle analogy and we bottle it in and then it just keeps percolating. And eventually we will blow our lid and the pressure will come out because it's too much to handle. It's not normal for us to keep that type of emotion and pressure locked up. So do we get the difference between stressors and stress, right? The stressors are things in our life that creates the stress within us. Here is the big aha that I took away from this book that I have to share and I think it's life-changing. Just because a stressor goes away doesn't mean the stress in our system immediately goes away and stops. Many of us think that, right? That, okay, the child's meltdown stops, so then we don't feel stress anymore. It's not like that. Just because they calm down, the stress has been activated in our system already, and it's now spewing out the different hormones and cortisol, and it is it is going through the system. We actually have to complete this stress cycle so it doesn't keep accumulating in our body. Now, what happens if you have all these incomplete stress cycles? So what do we do when we incomplete a stress cycle? We avoid, we numb, we shut down. We're like, we're not going to talk about it or we don't learn from it, right? We feel guilty about it. That doesn't complete the stress cycle. Those emotions still stay within us. And what happens? They build and they build and they build and they deplete our energy, right? Because they're not healthy for us. And it's going to eventually affect us physically, but energetically, it's just weighing on us and we feel heavier and heavier and heavier and moodier and moodier, less high level thoughts, and then it can lead to burnout. That's what depletes our energy to the point where we reach that burnout state. So it's very, very important to learn that, okay, we felt stressed about this. Own it, acknowledge it. And recognize it because now it's your job to complete the stress cycle so that it no longer just builds up in your system. So how do we complete the stress response? So in order for the stress response to be complete, we have to signal to our body that it's safe, that the threat is gone, and that you don't have to be in full action heightened mode. Our brain doesn't recognize that. No matter how sophisticated our technology is, it's still very primitive in that, right? So even though they notice, we notice that the threat has gone away, the traffic has gone away, the meltdown has ended. For me, recently, I was in a tornado, and I've noticed that anytime I see the storm clouds and it's getting windy, I feel the stress build up. So I did not complete that stress cycle. So what happens is that when you're getting back into that 
state of stress, we have to use our reboot button, a manual reboot to let our brain and body know we can shift into relaxation mode. We can turn on our parasympathetic nervous system and we have to activate it and reboot it manually. So because we don't do this and this is not our default and the the fight or flight is our default, we're constantly going to have to reboot that manually every single day even if we feel stress every single day. So as often as you feel stress, you're gonna have to reboot it, reboot it, reboot it. So that's what I'm gonna teach you today. So first, let's talk about very quickly, our evolutionary stress responses. I know you've heard of it. It's fight, flight, and freeze. But let's just understand what our brain believes based on the situation. So flight, when your brain notices a threat and thinks you're going to survive if you escape it. So you escape it and you're unsure and you're worried and you're anxious and you're scared and you're nervous, or you could walk away from it, but it's still ruminating you. That is when the flight is activated. Fight is your brain decides you will survive by conquering it. So your brain chooses to fight by feeling irritated and annoyed and frustrated and angry. That's when you know that your fight has been activated. Then it's freeze. Your brain assesses that the threat is way too big and decides you're too slow to run it and you're too small to fight it. So the best hope for you is kind of like playing dead and hoping that the threat just goes away. So freeze is your last resort, right? It's your brain preserving all its energy and basically shutting down. That's why you, when you're numb or you're uh, being passive, or you're disconnected, or you're shutting down, you are beyond emotion, and you start to feel sluggish. And your stress response is absolutely not complete just because you avoid something or you shut down. It's still lingering within you. So how do we complete this stress cycle? So I don't know if you know, but there's a branch of our nervous system called the vagus nerve, and that soothes and restores us to feeling safe when our fight or flight is activated after we are fearful or we're scared of something. So this is the manual reboot button that I was talking about. It makes us feel physically safe, but also emotionally safe. And that's really important. When we activate emotional safety, we realize that, okay, we are able to let go and we're able to be safe. So the heart of this episode is the ways to activate our vagal nerve and to basically end that stress response. So of course, movement is one of the most powerful ways to shift out energy. That's why a good run or a good workout where you sweat is feels so good because we're actually moving the energy of those intense emotions out. Even things like laughing and breath work and um, crying, all ways to move energy out. But sometimes you need something in the moment, right? Because you know I'm all about those quick resets. So I want to talk about some quick resets that you have to do to get out of your fight or flight really quickly. But before I do that, I just want to quickly walk you through why the vagus nerve is so important so you have an understanding of this in case that you want to explain it to your kids or your partner or just another mom so you're well-versed and why it's so important in case they ask you. So the first thing to know about the vagus nerve is that it's the longest nerve in the body and it connects many different organs. It goes throughout your body, including your gut, your stomach, your heart, your lungs, and it's 
the key part of our parasympathetic rest, relax, digest nervous system. So it influences your breathing and your heart rate. So when you activate it, that's why it has such a huge impact on our mental health because we're basically helping our body completely have a relaxed, healthy response to stress and it builds up our resilience. So what you need to pay attention to with vagus nerve is the tone, the vagal tone. So how quickly we can access and activate this parasympathetic nervous system means that we have a higher vagal tone. And the way that you do that is through practice and activating and using it. It's a muscle. So what happens if you're working out at the gym and you stop you know, doing bicep curls and you're not doing anything to strengthen your biceps? Well, over a period of time, that muscle is gonna start to deteriorate. It's gonna start getting smaller. So we have to work this and that's the thing. Many of us have never worked this muscle. So this is the first time that you're doing it. So it's gonna take time. It's gonna be a process. So don't expect things overnight, just like you don't expect things to change in your body overnight when you're working out. It's the same thing with your mind. It takes a little bit of time and that's okay. We have nothing but time. That's why we're here. So what this is going to do is help you build that practice of emotional regulation. So when your brain remains in panic mode after you're no longer in danger, this vagus nerve is going to be activated so that you can remain calm, even when you're stressed and even when there's no longer any danger, right? So typically, if you aren't healthy emotionally, you're going to remain in the fight or flight or hypervigilant state, and you're not even going to activate this vagus nerve. We're going to change that. Let me share one of the best, best vagal nerve activating exercises. I've been teaching this to Ayan, but it is actually really fascinating. It's yawning. Yes, yawning activates the vagal nerve immediately. So what we've been doing are yawning breaks. We do these yawning competitions after school. And so the easiest way to yawn, there's a couple different exercises I'm going to teach you. First is my calm technique, where you want to soften your eyes so you're focusing on something ahead of you. And then when you focus on that one thing, without moving your head, you want to expand your peripheral vision so you can see the sides of your room that you're sitting in or wherever you're at. So you're not only looking at the front, but you're looking on the sides and you'll notice that your eyes start to get really gentle. When you're in this state, now you're going to roll your tongue to the tip of the roof of your mouth and pretend as if you're yawning. Okay, so keep your chest open, keep your eyes soft, and just pretend that you're yawning. Within 30 to 60 seconds, you will yawn. And you want to do that three, four times. And I highly suggest that you wear waterproof mascara because I've been making that mistake. And when you yawn, tears will come out. So get your hands on a good waterproof mascara. Another exercise that you could do is if you're laying down, lay on your back and interweave your fingers of both hands behind your head. And without turning your head, you're going to look straight ahead, but your eyes are going to move to the right and then remain there until you yawn or you sigh or you swallow. And it should be 30 to 60 seconds. And then return your eyes to a neutral state and then bring your eyes focusing on the left. Your head stays straight, but your eyes are gonna move to the left. Do the same thing and repeat that. And you're gonna feel the sense of calm and relaxation just take over. It's amazing how quick it works and incorporate yawn breaks as much as you can throughout the day. Another thing that I talk so much about, but I'm going to reiterate it, is the correct way of breathing. So when you inhale, it activates a stress response. So if you actually find your pulse and on your wrist and you just listen to the pulse, 
you'll notice that as you inhale, your heartbeat gets faster. And as you exhale, your heartbeat should decrease. And that's the sign that when you inhale, it's activating and recognizing, is there a stress? And what the quality of your exhale is determining, oh, it's safe. Okay, so the right way to breathe is inhaling through your nose for four counts. It needs to be slow and silent and steady. And then you exhale out of your mouth for eight counts. The exhale should be longer than the inhale and it needs to be slow, silent, and steady. Envision that there's a candle in front of you and you're just wiggling the flame very little. Like you don't want it to be a like a sigh out. It should be a trickling of air out as if no one can actually see you breathing out, but your mouth is in an O and you're breathing it out very slowly. This activates your vagus nerve. So that type of breathing trickled throughout your day is going to be crucial because it's going to get you back into that balanced rest and relaxed state throughout your day. Stressors are going to show up, right? So anytime that you have to pivot, adapt, overplan, something unexpected happens, start breathing like that. It's going to counterbalance that that need to rush or to multitask or start to feel anxious. It's going to keep you balanced and grounded. Another way to activate your vagus nerve that you can do for babies is massaging them behind their ears. And you can do that to yourself too. Another way is actually cold immersion. So you can immerse your hands and your wrists into cold water. You can splash cold water on your eyes um, or your face. That that starts to activate your vagus nerve. And if you're taking a shower, you can actually do cold showers. And if you can't do the whole thing as a cold shower, which is hard, especially in the winter, just doing a minute of cold water at the end of your shower will activate your vagus nerve. And it increases uh, your blood flow. It slows down your heart rate. It reduces anger. It relaxes your body. It's really amazing. You think that you can't do it, but there's so many benefits to cold water therapy. Another great way to activate your vagus nerve, put on a good tune and start singing and humming. This activates it as well. Another way is gargling water. I had no idea, but that actually does it as well. And lastly, if you're a meditator, ohm chanting. Done properly, ohm chanting is said to activate your vagus nerve, and there's studies that actually shows that. So doing that as well. And then social connection with safe people will also activate your vagus nerve. I like to do this breathing hug. So we breathe and hug as with my kids, and I squeeze them really hard. This really helps to regulate them. You don't really have to say anything. You just give the physical sensation and they feel physically, emotionally safe in your presence. So there you have it, guys. Different ways to activate your vagus nerve. The yawn breaks, I want you to do that. Start trickling that in. The breathing resets throughout your day. You know I'm always talking about that. And then massaging the ears, the cold therapy, the singing, the humming, the gargling, the ohm chanting, if that's something that calls to you. All great ways to activate your vagus nerve. Because you're going to experience stress every day, you have to build this practice of completing your stress cycle every single day. Make it a priority as if your life depends on it, because it does. Stress isn't something that's bad. When it's stuck, that's when it gets bad. And wellness happens when your body is in a place of safety for you and for your loved ones. 
So as you realize from this episode, there's different simple ways to activate your vagus nerve, and there's many benefits when you have a healthy vagal tone. It is your secret weapon to be a better you, and these are just some of my favorites. You can actually look up vagal tone and vagus nerve exercises on YouTube, and there's tons more, but I find that these are the simplest ones. You're going to feel an energetic release. Teach your kids, especially the yawn break, so much fun do those yawn competitions like we do, and it's a fun way to integrate everyone having a nice reboot. The more we do this, the greater our vagal tone will be, and the easier we're going to bounce back from fight or flight anytime it gets fired on. We won't linger in that stress state. We're going to be able to completely dump it out, and we're going to be able to be that calm, balanced, present spirit that we desire to be. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you learned something. I've been loving sharing this with you guys. And if you did find value, please share it with your friends and family. Share it on Instagram. Tag me. Write a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the word out. Next week, we're going to continue on with the podcast series of Burnout. And we're going to talk about those key crucial daily selfies. No, I'm not talking about the selfies on your phone. I'm talking about the four essences of what we need to cultivate in our spiritual practice to have a better relationship with ourselves, to reconnect to our higher self, our higher power, our inner energy, what's going to sustain us to not get into that burnout state from a mental and physical state. So I'm really excited. This is the foundation of a spiritual journey. I wish somebody had told me this when I was starting off. Uh, and if you are starting off great, if you're already on your journey, great. I feel like you're always coming back to these practices. So it's really going to serve you. So thank you so much guys till next week. Bye. If you've been loving the time and talks podcast and you find value from it, I would be so eternally grateful. If you take a moment of your time to leave a rating and review over at Apple podcast. And when you do, I'd love to gift you my seven day stress detox course. All you got to do is screenshot your review before you submit it. Email it to me at Thajal at ThajalBPatel.com. And when you do, I'll inbox you the details of the course. This course has my go-to tools. Anytime I feel impatient, angry, fresh, and I come to them almost every single day. And I promise these are the tools that you're going to want to have in your back pocket too. And if you haven't purchased the Meditation for Kids book, definitely do so now. You can purchase it anywhere you buy books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble's Target, IndieBound, BAM, and you can go to meditationforkidsbook.com to get more information on the Meditation for Kids Masterclass course. If you're a complete beginner and learning how to teach meditation to your kids, this is the step-by-step roadmap that's going to teach you how to teach your kids meditation without having to become a certified meditation expert. Thank you so much, guys. Bye.